I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome to the Growth Vault podcast. Hope you're doing awesome. I uh, am excited to talk to you about uh, family and business and kids and parenting and marriage and systems in the year 2020. It's been a crazy year. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Ashley. How are you doing, Ash? I am doing wonderful. So we have this framework that we developed, and we've been experimenting with it for several years with our own family and actually with a, quite a few other families inside of our honor and fire thing, been kind of laying low, and we're, we're trying to figure out what is the system, the overarching framework for an entrepreneurial family to succeed? What does it look like? What are the patterns, right? So, you know, I don't think I'm some genius, uh, smart business person, but what I do think I am is a dot connector. I'm like a professional dot connector. <laughs> and, you know, uh, how long has it been since we did our Seven Figure Families uh, series? It's been a year and a half? Yeah, maybe? almost two years. Right. So we sat down with all these uh, super high achievers, people with... Um, you know, hundred million plus dollar businesses, ten million, twenty million dollar businesses, but they also have a really great family culture. Their kids are respectable and they're respectful, and their marriage is strong. And we interviewed them and tried to figure out what are the the similarities, what are the dots we can connect, right? And there's there's some things that we found. So we want to share that with you today. Because this has been a wild year. Divorce has spiked this year. There's a lot of different blogs and articles and I think even some studies uh, talking about how COVID has just decimated a lot of families. And I don't know, it's a big topic to talk about. But with quarantine being locked down, financial pressure, every state's a little bit different. Not being able to sit down in a restaurant, the total disruption and upheaval of normal life. Uh, there's a lot of pressure and stress that that creates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts when you think about that, Ash? Um, when I think about 2020, I think I don't just think about the bad because I am a glass half full kind of girl. And so um, I also think about all the good things that came out of COVID um, and the lockdown and the pandemic or 2020, however you want to bundle it. Um, I also think about the good things, about how people – You know, maybe they didn't do family dinner night. Well, now restaurants are closed. In Michigan, restaurants are still closed, and it looks like they're still going to be closed for eternity. (laughs) Thank you so much, Gretchen Whitler. Okay, whoa, this is not going in that direction. I apologize. (laughs) Um, But there have been some good points where people have had to reconnect or, you know, adapt and pivot. And I think entrepreneur families um, are really good at pivoting. Um, I think the entrepreneurs that get stuck are the ones that struggle with pivot and change um, and having a good foundation of culture. And so that's the one thing that I've noticed is that if if you didn't have a good family culture before, you might have hit some real big road bumps. I, it's kind of like, you know how money isn't good or bad. Money is a magnifier of what you already are, right? If you're, yeah. I know a lot of poor, greedy people, right? And there's rich, greedy people, but I don't see a correlation between being rich and being greedy. It's just it magnifies what's already in your heart, basically. Uh, So if you're this amazing giver, 
and you get a bunch of resources, you're going to still be the same person, but with way more impact, right? Well, when you look at a family, I think the pressure of something like COVID, it doesn't make you good or bad. No. It just magnifies what was already there. Yeah. It exposes the weak, the weak points of your family um, in such a big way. You know, like there's problems in your family that you might have that, well, now we might know them because their pressure of 2020 has really created, it's kind of broken the places we didn't know were had fractures in them. Yeah, or Nicholas Bailey, he's been on the podcast. He's a quote machine. He's got some really good ones. But one thing he said last time I interviewed him was that pressure doesn't create cracks. It exposes the cracks that were already there. Yeah. That's a mic drop. Yeah, that is a mic right? drop. So like when you're forced to spend time with your family and you just want to jump out the window and run, which I know that feeling, right? The pressure, you, you need your alone time. There's, there's just a lot to balance, especially if your company is growing, especially if you're financially not in a really good spot. It's freaking hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And there's different personality types and introverts, extroverts. And sometimes... You know, you come home from work and you get dumped on with stuff and there's a misunderstanding of who had it harder that day. And everybody, it's a contest of who had the harder scenario. Uh, And that's been like that all year for people. So we want to share the five stages to a family legacy uh, created by Ashley and I, like I said, over the last couple of years. So can I I make one comment before we even get started with that, though? I I do want to not act like we're perfect unicorns. Um, I did do a few you know, a few times where I like cried in my bathroom and was like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, you know what I mean? So there have been some moments that, you know, that we've had to reset and regroup. But I would say as an entrepreneur spouse for a very long time, being an entrepreneur spouse has prepared me for 2020. There's things that have affected my normie friends, my friends that have not been entrepreneurs who have lived in this perfect little bubble of they already had these systems developed by the world, yeah, I would say. Work nine to five. They work, yep. Their husband the PTA, comes home. Go to yep. their sports practice. School, all these things. But as an entrepreneur family, you're always moving on your feet. You're always pivoting. You're always doing something new. And I think that has really prepared me. So there's things that I've had to do as an entrepreneur wife in the past that has prepared me for 2020. So I'm like, oh, I can handle this. I've got this. So there's something about the entrepreneur family that's really resilient and scrappy and and the entrepreneur spouse as well, no matter if you have a nine to five job or not, um, being in this entrepreneur bubble, even whatever circle you may be in, has created something in people that has made them really resilient and easy to pivot. And like, I've got this and um, I can pave the way and I can be a maverick. Um, but I would say that we aren't unicorns and I did, I, there are a few times that I cried a little bit. So we're well, not it's perfect. A, that's a good that you said that because the system we're going to share with you, the framework, I should say, there's lots of systems that live inside of this framework. Framework is macro, systems are micro. Anyway, I won't get nerdy, but um, it's designed to scale up and start crushing it and then circle back and repair the foundation and then scale back up and start crushing it, get into momentum. And then it's a constant infinity loop of going up and down, up and down. But it gives more clarity on kind of what to do when things are falling apart and what to do when things are good. Yeah. And it's kind of like, just like you're saying, like business, you know, when someone had one employee, their system might have been a little different when then when they had five employees, 10 employees, you always have to keep on editing. Yes. Editing your system. And that's a Tony Grubmeyer. That's a well, Tony Grubmeyer thing system. that we did on the Seven Figure Families. He's mm-hmm. talked about, um, you don't change your life, you edit it. 
Yeah, and it's just, yeah. There's God, a little tweak. There's so many cool things. There's so many cool things. And by the way, stay tuned to the end of this podcast because uh, I'm going to have an opportunity for some of you that might change your life. And you're going to freak out when I tell you what it is. So remind me, Ash, because you are going to make an announcement that we didn't discuss before this. I was going to say, I don't know what the announcement is, so I'm really excited, too. You actually do, but you think you don't. Okay. Okay. So here's the five steps to a family legacy. Step one is connection. Okay? So we're going to think macro. I'm going to go through all five, then we'll circle back. Connection is the foundation. That's level one. Think of it as the bottom. The next level above that is identity. The next level above that is targets which just means goals. The next level above that is growth, or I'm sorry, community. Community, Community. And then the highest level, the fifth one, is growth. So I'll say it again. You have connection, identity, targets, community, and growth. Those are the five stages or the five levels. We're still trying to name this and we're building all kinds of content and teaching materials around this. We're doing research. We're buying every course you can imagine, reading every book you can imagine, looking at studies and data and statistics and university papers. And we're trying to understand, we're interviewing multi-million dollar generationally wealthy families and figuring out, okay, how did this work? How did you not burn your life to the ground while you did it? How, 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 why are your kids so connected with you even when they're 30 or 40 years old? How, how did this happen, right? Um, and so, but these are the dots we've connected. It starts with connection. So, Ash, why don't you kick us off? What does connection mean in practical terms to the average small business owner family right now? Well, I'm not going to say what it means. I'm going to give you, I'm going to paint you a picture. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of story about the Latimers, okay? We're going to go into some real Latimerness. Is that when my husband was working so hard on his business, hustling and adding the systems that needed to be in place, we were really disconnected, really disconnected. And I remember him coming home and, you know, as a, a female, sometimes I, uh, I, get, I get a little worked up, okay? And I, I kind of make little things, huge deals, I catastrophize, and it starts to make me spiral, and then everything is really hard to deal with. Did I explain that well? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it, that's why one of our family slogans is, it is not Mount Everest. That's right. Because but, things can feel like Mount Everest. And if you think it's Mount Everest, it definitely is Mount Everest. It could be yeah. the smallest thing. I forgot to pick up milk, and it's like, oh, my God, if marriage is never going to work, and your mother's mean, and blah, 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 blah. And, like, everything can explode because this little thing feels like a big thing. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yes, it is. And in connection, what was happening is I was feeling like a single parent because we weren't on the same page. And my husband thought that we were, we thought that we had communicated that we were on the same page, but in the hustle and in the grind of being an entrepreneur family, the wheels had fallen off, but then the the milk and all these other things that you're talking about, it had deeper roots than that because we weren't connected. We weren't on the same page. Our sex life was really bad. If I'm going to just throw that out there, if we're going to have honesty hour. Okay. Okay. Um, our sex life was bad because he was always in the truck. And I could t- tell you all the reasons why it was his fault. But um, there are a lot of reasons it was my fault, too. But we were not connected. We were not on the same page. We were basically living um, lives and kind of our circles were bumping into each other, you know, a few hours, maybe a day, maybe. And then there was this time where my husband was like, we really need to get connected Um, And so we just laid out where we really were. Without hurting each other's feelings, we we developed something called hyper-communicate where we were really honest and raw and real. And we had this moment where we reconnected um, 
our dreams, our goals, and everything. Like, we just had an honest hour. Well, there's a lot of things I think that everybody thinks in their head <clears throat> that they don't say to their spouse. Oh. Uh, lots and lots. And, and lots. I would imagine that as... I don't know if I'm the only woman out there, but I have lots of stories that I tell <laughs> myself to myself that I think you should pick up on. Well, I feel we, like it's not romantic well, if you don't read my brain. We'll think lots of things, and then when we try to articulate it, we're not good at it because there's all this other baggage in our life. There's stress. There's practical matters, you know, doctor's appointments and baseball games and checking accounts and payroll and all this stuff. And so you don't really express what you actually want. Or if you do it and it's inside the context of a stressful five-minute conversation with chaos happening in the background, you're cooking dinner and all this stuff that it comes out wrong, it's offensive, then you start arguing and then you're playing defense. And so hyper-communicate is all about being brutally pure logic-based raw on how you think the quote-unquote situation is right now in a moment in time. So this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is where I feel I need uh, more support in or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And back to, back to the story without unleashing all of our systems and overwhelming you is one thing is, is that we added systems in our life that would reconnect us. Because what happens is with entrepreneurs, you guys love growth. You love adding systems. You love setting targets and goals and different things like that. But when we're, as an entrepreneur spouse, when we're not connected to that, we're like, who cares? I don't, I don't want to grow with you if I can't That's even right. have a conversation with you. I can't think about... How do you cheer each other on when you feel like you're playing for different teams? Yeah, you can't cheer each other. I mean, there's times that I thought my husband's business was the another mistress, you know? And so I was competing with the business. And so, oh, I'm getting to get emotional. Whoop. And so how can you set goals and why do you want another truck and hit a million dollars and do all these things when I just want you home to eat dinner and I want to share things with you? So we developed some systems to do that in a short amount of time yes. because I love time. Quality time is one of my love languages. And as an entrepreneur, you can't sometimes give quality time. So what we did is we compressed time and we added some systems in our life that could give me my have my needs met without taking time away from Josh. So we started implementing these and we started knowing that connection was really a secret sauce. Um, yep. and I already it's a foundation. Yep, and I already brought up sex. We call it purple unicorns so yeah. that in well, case Let's you're, say purple unicorn from now on. Yeah, because your kids if you're <laughs> in the car listening to this. But purple unicorns, um, we realized that we needed a purple unicorn system in our life to help us connect at on such a physical level, a physical level, but purple unicorns are even more than a physical level. Bow, 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 bow. Okay, now the kids are gonna be like, "What is purple unicorn?" Okay, but okay, I'm sorry. physical, it, that does not. <laughs> I totally you, derailed your You brain. did derail my brain. But purple unicorns are not just physical. I know that that no, is spiritual. huge for spiritual. men. It's it's spiritual, but also for women, it's emotional. So if you aren't having good purple unicorns. And it's physical. Do we say that? Yeah, we got that one. Oh, yeah. One. Okay, I just <laughs> want to make sure. <laughs> we got that one. But that is one of our connection systems is that because that helped Oh, it's huge. Everything. W one of Ashley's rules is we're only allowed to argue if we're naked and in the shower. <laughs> we, we don't actually literally do that, although we have done that. Yeah. Uh, but think about it just abstractly how funny that is. Like you would argue so different. And you would you argue and discuss your life different when you're really connected, if you know what I mean. So that should be like where you start, right? That shouldn't be the thing after life's perfect, you do it. No. You, while it's a mess, get going on your purple unicorns. 
then have some conversations. Then you hyper-communicate. You write each other letters. Uh, this is a, the way that we've done it. We've helped dozens of other families do this. It's powerful. It can be a little uh, explosive sometimes, but it's worth it. So you write each other letters. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's where the good, the bad. Here's the real thoughts I'm thinking. And you exchange letters, read each other's, and here's the rules. You're not allowed to comment on each other's letters. You're not allowed to try to fix it. You're not allowed to defend your honor. You're not allowed to do anything. You just read it and hear it. And after you hear it, then the next day you come back and you talk about it, okay? And you, and that's hyper-communication. Say the things that are going to shock your spouse to get it out of your system, and let's just get down to the raw nitty-gritty. Okay, so... Well, and you don't do it with a mean spirit. Like, you're doing it to reconnect. Well, like, you, you can do it with a mean spirit. Oh, my God. No, you can't. you can't. Don't do that. But there's, like, we could get in the weeds about all of the systems. Yeah, I don't want to do that, but let's stay high-level. Okay, right let's now. stay high-level. Okay. So, so connection is also with your kids, things like Maverick Monday, Tucker Tuesday, Sawyer Sunday, Finley Friday, Judah May Thursday. Uh, I'm not perfect with those, but we've done them for over 10 years, and it's the single smartest system I've ever done as a parent. I'm deeply connected to all my kids. It's normal for them to talk about all the dark stuff they're thinking and the questions they have and everything, because they've been doing it their entire life, literally. Um, and that's been huge. That's a and, connection system. And to be honest, I, I could... Okay, I might cry. I'm sorry. But my friend the other day asked me, oh, how did your kids get like this? And she was, like, asking for parenting advice. And then she told me what her kids were doing. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, my kids would never naughty. be. <laughs> Those kids are very naughty. Um, but um, the reason why I have I have a great I have great kids. And the reason why is because of my husband. I would love to take credit for it. I would love to tell you. But we have developed a family culture. And that's not like bragging. And we still have issues. And, you know, we still have kids that do crazy things, right? Mm -hmm. But the family culture, we can reconnect and resnap. It resnaps back in when we get the connection. And this morning, my whole point was that this morning, um, the boys made a plan to wake up at 5.55 this morning, get their dad up. They were going to watch motivational videos, read the Bible, and work out. And guess what? They all did it. And my husband will never tell you about the things that he secretly does that helps inspire our children. But my husband has really led the charge in building a family culture. And I, as a mother, am so thankful for him. Aww. Well, thank you for reading the script I provided you. Appreciate that. Was that was not a script. <laughs> that was the this truth. This is a good segue. So let's go over the five again. You have connection. The next one's identity. Then you have targets. Then you have community. Then you have growth. Okay. The next one's identity. Perfect segue. We'll go quicker on this one. But families uh, struggle on having a unique fingerprint, a unique uh, identity. Think about any type of thing that you could consider a family. Not just the actual nuclear family, but think about like a, 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 a team of Navy SEALs. I don't, are they called squads or what are they called? Like the little small group. Are they in groups of 20? Whatever they're called. We'll say squad. I don't know. I apologize. It's not but squad. A group, I, know. I know what it is because I am a <laughs> I Jocko fan, but hold on. Because you Platoon. said that. No. Okay, stop saying the words because now I can't think of it. I'll, I'll think of so it. So a group of Navy SEALs is like a family. Think about gang members in South Los Angeles, right? So there's a family component to this. And the, the groups that are strongest, there's, there's one common thread. They have a mission. 
and they have an identity, very distinct identity. They're part of a family. But, you know, your family, yes, technically you're a family, but do you have a mission? Do you have an identity? Do you have a brand? Do you have a flavor? Is it unique? Because you need to have that. Any good company has that. Any good team of people inside of a company has that, like a subgroup. All groups and subgroups that are strong and unified and accomplishing things have a very defined identity. But we forget to do it with our family. Your company has a mission statement, might have a manifesto or something. You'll have core values for your company. Identity is simply, you know, after you're connected and you're spending time, you're not trying to change the world. You're not trying to fix everybody. You're just there. You're just hearing. You're listening and you're being heard. That's connection. When that's safe, when everybody feels safe and it's secure, in that regard, you move to identity and you start saying, you know, you as a leader of your family, you say, listen, this is who we are as Smiths or Lewises or whatever. This is where we're going. This is what we stand for. This is what we fight against. Mm -hmm. And some of the systems we use for identity are things like our Latimer birthright. We have our core values, which are displayed every month when we do Latimer of the month. We, we, every time we do Latimer of the month, we have a dinner, we vote who's Latimer of the month. And the person that wins is the person that everybody voted that displayed our family's core values the most that month. Do you want to share what they are? Um, Oh, I could share what they are. I was already thinking about what I was going to say next. Oh, go ahead. Do your thing. Go ahead. I was going to say, we also have proprietary language and like the things that we say. And if you ask any one of my kids, even my three-year-old Judah, if you ask her, what do Latimers do? And she'll say, Latimers do hard things. And so we do have just this family culture. Do you Mm -hmm. want me to go back over? We we do have our core values. They're leadership, work ethic, faith, and character. Yeah. Um, but and our kids know them. And we say, what is leadership? And then we'll, I'll dig deeper, right? What's character? How do you know? How do you know? Well, character is what you do when no one's looking, Dad, right? We have our definitions. We talk about them. And they're little. Our oldest is only 13 right now, but um, our youngest is only three. So these are conversations. not complicated. It's not hard. But you focus on connection, then you move up to identity. Can we go to the next one? I want to say one thing about identity real, real quick is that um, – I have been doing a deep dive into parenting books and how to run a family. And, you know, as a pregnant woman, I got the book of uh, what to expect when you're expecting and what to have. And and if you look at the, the books and the amount of content for families, it can be very overwhelming. But here's the one thing that I think, because they will tell you different things. Because as I've been going on this journey, I'm like, well, this book says to do this, and this book says to do this, and this book says you can't do this, and if you do it this way, it's wrong. And it's so overwhelming and causes so much anxiety. But here's what I found the difference to be, is that lots of families are very unique. And your family is unique. And one book might tell you to do something, but that doesn't hold your family identity at its core. You have to be the leader of your family identity. So what systems might work for the Latimers won't work for you. Now we can give you a basis and a general, but you laying out the systems and you creating a family culture that serves your identity of what you guys want to be and where you want to go. Yes, that's really good because that's what I mean when I say framework. I should have explained this better, but all the parenting books, all the good ones, they have they all have just bits and pieces, but a lot of these books and courses are teaching you tactical level stuff, which is great. Like you should read all of the things and grab out the stuff that resonates with you and do it and have fun with it. But what I'm trying to figure out is what is the macro 
pathway to success. And the macro pathway is what we're talking about right now. Connection, identity, targets, community, and growth. That is the path. So inside of these categories, there's lots of tactics and things. You can do the naughty chart and you can do the chore thing and you can have all these different things. You can have your own phrases. What was it? The Thompsons? I had no drama llama. Yes. That, that was a funny one. So if someone's being, their kids are being dramatic, they say no drama llama. And it's like funny. They just made that up. That's their thing. They own it. It's awesome. You, there's no rules to it. The only rules are the framework itself. You have to be connected. You have to have a uh, defined identity of some kind. So you, then the next one is targets. You have to be going somewhere. There needs to be like a destination in the coordinates of you individually, you as a married couple, and then you as a family, right? So you have your own individual goals and needs and desires and hobbies and things. You should have business ones, but you also have married ones. You have ones that you want to do together. I need to know what my wife's individual goals are. They have nothing to do with me so I can support and encourage her and provide provide protection and encouragement for her and her to me, right? So there's lots of different kinds of goals and there's financial ones and then there's the kid ones and there's the impact on the world ones and the change world ones. But you don't start setting goals until after you're connected and you have a, a strong identity or at least a, an identity established. Then you start figuring out if you're the gang in Los Angeles, all right, how are we going to take territory? How are we going to expand our <laughs> gang? How are we going to recruit? I feel like you shouldn't use gang jargon no, because I, you I don't really know. I think it's perfect know. because even though it's bad things that they're doing, like the, the way that they do it follows this framework. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, I will say, I know we're going on to targets, but identity is sometimes a little rough for people because they are holding on to an identity that their family gave to them that might not have been good. And so they're having a hard time shaking that. So you have to really... Well, that's a good point because everyone already has an identity. Yes. It's a matter of being in control and directing that identity into what you want, not just what was you were Given. born into. Or, you know, one of the quotes we use a lot with Honor and Fire is, uh, if you don't tell your kids who they are, the world will do it for you. So this isn't a debate of should you have an identity or should you not? No, yep. no, no. You already have one. But is it what you want, right? And by the way, identity is aspirational. I feel like we're going to need 17 hours to do this because there's so many questions I'm thinking that maybe people are having right now or thoughts. But uh, you don't have to be living perfect to have an identity that's very kind of lofty, right? So you can say things in your family identity like, you know, the Smiths change the world, even though you haven't done anything to change the world. It's okay to say that because your your identity can be aspiration, something you aspire to be, not something you are right this second. And that's another place people get hung up on that, that we found working with people. So, okay, connection, identity, okay. now targets. we're on targets. We really do have to go to targets. So yes. targets, you got to have goals. And goals are elastic. They can uh, appear and disappear. You can change them. People get so scared to set goals for lots of reasons. Number one, uh, they're like, what if I change my mind? And so they won't set any goals because they're scared they might change their mind. And then 10 years goes by and they didn't set any goals. That's so silly. You're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to edit your edit. goals. You're allowed to edit anything. You can change course anytime you want. But you got to have some sort of direction. You're in your car driving to Toledo, Ohio. Clearly, that's a horrible destination, but at least you're going somewhere. And then you can change it to a better destination like uh, Frisco, Texas, for example. And you can change and edit your course. It doesn't matter where you're going. 
but you need to have your own individual goals, whether it's to get in better shape or it's to get more educated, to learn more about world history or economics, or it's to acquire more money or it's to grow your business or it's to sell your business. You can have your own goals and then you'll have joint goals. Uh, things that you want to do as a married couple. You want to make sure that you get a second home or you want to make sure that you give a certain amount of money away to your church or to a charity or you want to travel to a certain location. You don't have to apologize for your goals. You never should share your goals with someone you don't deeply trust. They're precious. They're sacred. You don't cast your pearls before swine. That's a Bible scripture that kind of talks about this idea that you don't just throw out all of your world-changing plans to anybody because people are just going to poo-poo on them and and feel intimidated by them. So, But you got to have them. You need to document them. You need to talk to your kids about them. Your kids need to watch you and your spouse set them and change them and edit them and then miss some of them and then readjust and then hit them. They need to like watch you do this. It's a thing, right? It'll change your kid's life. It'll change your family tree to talk about goals. And then they say, dad, you said you were going to do this and you didn't. And you say, you know what? You're right. I got off track. Here's what a thing happened. Um, thanks for reminding me. Let's make some edits. Let's get back on track. There shouldn't be some secret thing. You shouldn't be scared of goal setting. It's required to be successful, to leave a legacy. Um, I would just add that the other day, my kids, story time with Ashley again, but the other day with my kids, um, we were watching this like animal show and this animal was looking for water and it came upon a stagnant swamp. And it was nasty. And even the animal wouldn't drink from the stagnant swamp. It kept on going to this rushing river. And even my three-year-old daughter was like, ew, gross. Like it was so (laughs) nasty because the water wasn't moving. It wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't fresh. It wasn't vibrant. And when, when they finally got to the river, my kids cheered. They're like, yay. And that's how we are too. We, if you really look around, you know what a stagnant person looks like. You know what a, oh, I'm not getting my fresh water from them. I mean, we have these people in our life. I'm not saying delete all the family and friends who are stagnant, but we. Well, some of them you do need to. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds cruel. It sounds like it's, it's bad, but no, you need to, you need to do a little surgery, perform snippy snips. You need to cut out. Snippy snips. You got to cut out. (laughs) certain relationships, right? I mean, you don't just let your Navy SEAL platoon squad, whatever it's called, oh you don't just gosh. let anybody you in there. saying words, I can't remember <laughs> what it is. Oh. You don't let anybody speak to the mission. You don't let anybody come in and you don't share the mission and the obje- the goals and the directives with anybody. You just don't. It's it's more of a sacred thing than that. We, and my whole thing that I was saying is that we're not made to stay in one place. We're made to create things and to move forward and to live life and to expand, enjoy the journey. And some people hold on to the past so long that they never move forward and they never continue on and they never push themselves to go on. Yeah, and we like to blame external reasons for that. We have, you know, it's Trump's fault, it's Biden's fault, it's socialism's fault, it's capitalism's fault, it's my dad's fault, it's my mom's fault. You know, I asked my mom one time, I said, Mom, how old does someone need to be where, like, you're no longer allowed to, like, cite your daddy or mommy issues as, like, the reason you're not succeeding in life? Like, like if you're, like, 23 and you had a really traumatic childhood, I mean, obviously it affects your whole life if you let it, but imagine you're, like, 79, okay? <laughs> like, it's my like dad. you're only, your dad only parented you for 16 or 17 years. 
you're 79. For, so for like 60 years, they didn't parent you. Like, is it still valid to be like, well, it's my dad's fault? Like, when are you well, going to wake up? Well, trauma does do things and rewires your brain. I do know trauma does things, but you're right. There has to be a point where we stand our ground and we say, this is now it's my turn. That's right. I'm not saying it's not real, but you taking responsibility, setting your own targets, doing the things we're talking about here, uh, it needs to happen immediately. There's no excuse, no matter how bad it was, for you to not take back control. And I actually think, especially entrepreneurs, you hear entrepreneurs and tons of them have come through really hard things. A lot of the successful ones, that gives them their like fuel. So like- Yeah, chip on their shoulder. It gives you a chip on your shoulder, uh-huh. gives you something. Um, is it Barbara Corcoran from, is that how you say her yeah, name? Uh-huh. From Shark Tank. She said she loves it when people have daddy issues. And I'm like, oh gosh, that sounds so horrible. But she will say it because sometimes that makes the best entrepreneur. So maybe what you're using for bad actually could be your fuel. But you do need to get over it. You do need to say, it's my time to take control of my life. And it's time to get rid of the baggage, and it's time to move forward. You Amen. Are- That's good. So did let's, let's recap. Right? Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Okay, so we have connection. That's where it's got to start. Then you have your identity. Then you have targets, I mean, goals, you know, dreams. The next thing is community. Oh, goodness. You know, if you're the smartest person in the room, get into a new room. But it's not just about smartness. It's about sharing those goals, right? Who are you going to share them with? Well, not with Cousin Eddie, right? From Christmas National Lampoon's Vacation, Cousin Eddie. Likeable guy, but totally doesn't get it, kind of doing his own thing. You might have an Uncle Eddie or Cousin Eddie or a friend or a neighbor or a, a sibling even that doesn't get you. They think you're broken. And then why don't you get a real job? Why, why are you doing this to yourself? Oh, you need to do this better. You need, they're just criticizing or they're offering unsolicited advice all the time. You only take advice from people you would trade places with. That's our. That's my rule. I listen to nobody unless I desire what they have, whether it's in a relationship or anything. That's oh, good. It's like the quote of quotes. It's like I say that with every quote, though. They're all amazing. Because you're a quote factory. I love it. I love it. So community has to be hand-selected. It has to be curated. And you're not entitled to it. You have to uh, contribute to it. Like, Like, you have to produce. Let's go to the gang analogy again, right? You don't get to hang out if you're not, like contributing if you're not loyal if you're not <laughs> doing it the gang jargon <laughs> is too much but uh, there's so much loyalty in gangs yeah. and it's there bad is it's bad but the structure of it and the and the stickiness of it and and like the love even though it's kind of like a perverted weird version of it there's something there that a lot of families are missing right so is that not sad that that's where we're at is that gangs have a more loyalty and a more culture than and a, a family more that Oh, that like breaks my heart and stabs it twice. Yeah. Well, and maybe Navy SEALs is a better example. I just don't want to keep saying platoon squad 500 times because I don't know what they're called. Someone's going to definitely message me and be like, what's wrong well, with you? Well, good. It's and called- I will message you after I go home and it comes to me and I'm like, oh, Jacko told me it's this. So but community has to be intentional. That's my point. I would say as an entrepreneur's spouse, just as this is huge. As an entrepreneur spouse, you think you don't need to be in the same communities as them, and you're thinking that it doesn't have negative effects on you. And that is not true. Um, There have been times that I have not been a part of the business, and there are times that I have been. But I will tell you this. There have been circles that I have been in that were not beneficial to me being an entrepreneur spouse. Mm -hmm. And what women would say just 
because they're it, it was because of ignorance, not because they were being mean spirited. Maybe some of them were, but mostly it's because they didn't understand being an entrepreneur spouse. But they would lay seeds of doubt in my mind of things that my husband and I already connected on. We already had goals and targets, and I would share them with people who had no idea what they were talking about, and they would poop on my dreams, and then they would put seeds of doubt, and then I would go back to my husband, a complete wreck, and he would be like, what in the heck derailed you? such a good exact representation of why this is important. That was a perfect way to explain it. Oh, well, yeah, thanks. Well, go. Here's your script back then. <laughs> oh, no, so you, there is no script. There is no you script. You told me to read that, so you look good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I have friends, very close friends, who are some of the most talented, just incredible entrepreneurs, but they don't get any support from their spouse. Who do you talk to about stuff like that? Like, how heavy of a weight is that? What What if you accomplish something huge? It's not about the money. And you know because you're listening to this. It's not just about the money. It's like it's the accomplishment. Like, hey, we had a $100,000 day. We had a $50,000 week. We Like, you did something. You clubbed something and drug it home. Like, you produced. You succeeded. You were a warrior. And then your spouse just doesn't care. Like, what a just an awful scenario, right? But this also speaks to why community is powerful. If you don't have a handful of people that you can be that raw with, that you can, you need people to cheer you on, is my point. And the community, a good community, is going to cheer when you win. If you want another quote, here we go. Be very cautious of people who don't cheer when you win. And if your spouse doesn't cheer when you win, then my heart goes out to you. And we need to fix that and address that and not be a victim by it. We need to figure out where their needs aren't being met, and you need to fix that first before you expect them to cheer for you when you win. Mm-hmm. But, man, that's and a heavy... And you have heavy... to give them something to cheer for. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Some people only listen to this podcast, and they're still broke. They've listened to it for four years, and you have no excuse. You know, I've told the story about uh, a guy I worked with a few years ago, and he was had been broke for 10 years doing his thing. Nice guy, likable guy, right? And uh, he's complaining about his wife. I said, well, when's the last win you've given your wife? Like, when was that? And he hadn't given her one. Just, just no evidence of success in their relationship at all. No special trips, no date nights, no goal setting, no nothing. And he said all she wanted was a tankless wa- hot water heater. And I, like, fell out of my chair. I'm like, bro, buy her a freaking tankless hot water heater. Make it happen. Like, move the money around. Sell something. Like, connect the dots. Do Reverse engineer this very complex problem of a $1,000 problem. I said, you got two weeks? Do it or else I'm not talking to you anymore. And uh, he did it, right? It's like that stuff needs to happen too. So that's community. And then the last part is growth. You know what's funny is we have a quiz on our website, and you're welcome to go take it. It's free. You'll get on our email list. We're not doing a ton with it yet, but we're going to be. You can go to honorandfire.com, and there's this five steps to legacy quiz, and it it helps you assess kind of where you're at in these different categories. And what's funny, we've uh, probably had two or 300 families take that quiz, maybe more. Maybe it's more. I don't know. Not not thousands yet. but what's crazy is everybody in the growth category gives themselves really good scores. Like that's not where people need help because that's what people are focused on. So you're married, you're not connected, you don't have a good identity with your kids. Your kids are playing video games all day. They might be young and sweet now, but they're going to gradually get colder and grow more disconnected from you. You don't have defined goals. And if you do, you don't share them with anybody. They're not documented. Nobody knows what they are. You're not in a tight community that's cheering you on. 
but you're still focused on growth. Growth should be the, the final step. This is when you take the risk, you invest the money, you start the business, you open the second location. This is when you push yourself outside your comfort zone. You take the speaking gig that makes you want to throw up, but you know that you want to be a speaker. You start writing the book that you know you're supposed to write. You're doing things. People will do those growth activities and forget all the other stuff and then be shocked. They do the fun growth. Growth is fun when it's new and fancy and Gary Vee can tell you how to make a million dollars right away. I don't know if that's his voice and I don't know you, if he makes- Oh, you sounded exactly like Gary Vee. Just gonna harass Oh my me. gosh, that's uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's these quick fixes out here in these books and these courses and these things and and a lot of them are very helpful but it's really fun but the actual hard growth sometimes is not the fun part yeah that's true so like growth is fun and people will pay money for things quick fixes and and things like that and and growing is fun but um this growing for what if you aren't if you're I mean I think you should grow don't get me wrong yeah. but you need to grow in the right things the right things and that could be business that could be marriage that could be family it's, that could be all of them it's risky and dangerous to just grow without um, doing the other stuff because think about if you have a, if a race car right so when the race car is going 200 miles an hour that's like growth like it's doing the thing it's meant to expand and go fast that's great that you're doing growth related activities and you're going to events and you're investing in your business and you're working long hours and you're doing growth things or you're working out at the gym, you know, 20 hours a week. That's great. But what if you're not changing the tires changing the oil, doing maintenance? What if you're not doing any of that stuff? Obviously, bad things are going to happen. So you got to have the foundation first before you focus on going 200 miles an hour. Basically, this morning when I was with my kids, and we'll kind of close with this, and then I'll have my announcement, I promise you, which is going to be super awesome. Okay, because I can't wait. So, uh, we didn't actually really read the Bible this morning, but we talked about one verse in Proverbs, okay. right? So Proverbs is my favorite book. Um, oh, you didn't read the whole Bible? I thought you read, read the, whole, the whole, Bible. whole Bible this morning. Just one simple verse. And everyone's probably heard it. It says, you know, as, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens another. And I just asked the boys, I said, what, what does that mean? What do you think it means? And they said, well, and Sawyer said, our youngest son goes, well, you know, dough can't sharpen iron. I said, what, excuse me? He said, dough, dough can't sharpen iron. And I was like, actually, as silly as that is, it's kind of profound, right? So like you can't be sharpened by someone who's way behind you, something that's not as hard as you already are, something that's not at your level, right? So that was kind of interesting. And we kept talking about it. And I said, you know, when what happens when you sharpen something? It's, it's painful. There's friction, there's heat. Like you're grinding off pieces of rust in, in metal that aren't supposed to be there to reveal a sharp edge, right? So it's not like a, a, a fun thing to have iron sharpen iron, but that's that's what connection, identity, targets, community, and growth does is it sharpens your saw. It makes you capable to have the capacity to do what you're put on this earth to do. And But you got to be around the right people. And you and your spouse should be sharpening each other, so to speak. You and your kids should be sharpening each other. The community you're in, uh, the business that you're in, the goals that you set should be sharpening you. And yeah. This is not a script because I know you're going to say it's a script right after. But my husband truly has sharpened me. And sharpening is sometimes painful. Um, and it helps you grow. And he's helped me grow into the entrepreneur spouse that I am. He's helped me grow into being an entrepreneur. He's helped me to help, you know, with my goals and different things. It makes me want to 
cry because uh, he's really sharpened me in the ways that I needed to be sharpened. And sometimes that is painful. Sometimes that is discussions and arguments. And, you know, my husband's very logical. And so I've had to really expand my brain in that way. And I think I sharpen him and I challenge him in the, in the best ways possible. 100%. I appreciate you. So let's land the plane, and then we want to do some an experiment. We want to do something unique. And uh, I had an epiphany last night, and I'll spare you the details on how I came to this conclusion, but here's what we want to do. I'm going to take my wife and put her on an airplane and send her to you, to your house, to your wife's house, to, to you and your wife. And she's going to bring the, the fire, and she's going to basically systemize your family for you. Um, because this is so theoretical and I know in, when things are stressful and busy, it's like getting around to actually implementing and doing these things is really hard. But what if I paid for it? What if I sent her down there armed with boxes of home decor that had your own family logo on it? Well, don't tell them all the secrets. What if you had your, you know, t-shirts with phrases that mean something to you and your kids? What if, what if we clothed you with all this identity merch? What if we created a, uh, a, a Smith family birth rate for you and framed it? What if we got your own Latimer of the Month plaque? What if we forced, basically not forced, but like gave you every excuse to sit down and hyper-communicate with your spouse? What if we sent you on a strategic reset getaway where we sent you to uh, somewhere for two days or three days to get clear in your goals and to reconnect and purple unicorn it up with your spouse? What if we just did that for you? What if this is the perfect excuse, the perfect top opportunity, the perfect timing for you who is living in stress right now and you're getting emotional even as I say this and speak these words? What if this was an easy button in a way to help pivot you, to pivot your family, to do a, do a restart, a reset? That's what I want to offer. So I don't have anything built for this. There's no website to go to to apply. There's none of that. Here, here's what I want to ask you to do. Okay, I want you to send me a message. Uh, actually, let's do email. Let's do email. It would be easier to curate it and keep it organized. Send me an email, josh, J-O-S-H, at honorandfire.com. And in the subject line, I want you to put um, strategic reset. That's what I want you to put, okay? And we're going to pick someone out. And there's going to be a ton of people that email this, so don't get offended if we don't pick you. But what I'm looking for is we want... A married couple with kids that has a business, you love each other, but it's hard and it's messy and you're just barely holding on. And maybe you're doing okay now, but maybe earlier in this year you're barely holding on and you're dreading barely holding on next year. And you know that you need this and you need help and it's overwhelming. If that's you, send me an email with the subject line uh, strategic reset and tell me your story and make it as long as you want. I'll read it all. And Ashley will read it all. And uh, we will reach out to the, the person that we pick. We'll get on a Zoom call, and we will make this happen for you. Um, any final thoughts, Ash? You ready to get on an airplane and go uh, swagify and yeah. <laughs> help a family? And and basically what this does is we know what it's like to be an entrepreneur family, and we've taught lots of entrepreneur families how to do this. But what we want to do is since 2020 has been a weird year, we want to just come in and we, we know that it feels like you're treading water and sometimes you're going down. So this isn't like me coming and rescuing you out of the water. This is me and Josh together. I mean, I don't know if he's going to come with us, but he'll definitely help um, do all the things that he needs to do. But it will be us coming and bringing you 
the lifesavers that um, can help take you out of water and help you systemize so that you yourself can get you out of the drowning water, but I will be there with you. Yeah, we are your local hope brokers. That's what we are. We're brokering some hope. We're like a drug dealer, except we don't got drugs. We got hope. And you, you need you need a little little hope? hope we got and some in our, inside of our trench coat pocket here. We have hope and systems, and we're going to specifically des- uh, de- designate them, design them, design them perfect and curate them just for your family. I'm excited. That's going to be I'm pretty cool. I'm excited too because I'm also going to have lots of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to watch all five kids while you go do that. Yeah. And I get to have fun <sighs> and eat snacks. Yeah, we'll have to get some systems for that. If anyway, you, if you write it, if you write it in the in the email all about your snacks, that might help too. No, I'm just make, make sure in the email though that you know you tell me a lot of context. We want you to have kids. We want you to have a business. We want you to be married, and we want it. We want to understand kind of what you're going through from both your perspectives uh, and just let us know, right? And uh, we'll see what happens with this. I think it'll be a fun experiment. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Ashley, for coming all the way to my office. And a Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year. And uh, that's it. Take care. God bless. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Fall. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Fall.